bulletin. And, uh, and, you know, we don't think of love as a powerful thing, but it was, it was God's love that caused Jesus to be willing to leave heaven, to come live among his creation, and to die on a cross for us. It was, it was God's love that caused Jesus to offer himself on the cross as payment for our sins. And, uh, and so today we're going to celebrate that. We celebrate the risen Lord Jesus. And I was showing the Passion movie this week, and I've got this picture. This is one of my favorite parts of the, the movie because the movie's so brutal. But at the end of it, that stone rolled back, and you saw the light shine in. There's Jesus looking out of the tomb. He's fixing to get up and walk out. Jesus got up. That's Kathy, and I've been to that tomb. Uh, she's been there more than I have. I was sick the last time, but the first time I got to go, and inside there, they've got a sign that's saying, he's not here, he's risen, because there's no bones in there. You know, there's no bones in that tomb. Every other tomb, there are bones. But, uh, you know, we're going we're gonna to talk about love reigns, and, and, and I believe that, that as you understand the love of God, you'll see that the love of God can take away the pain in our past, the pain and hurts of our past, the burdens. That's when we laid those things down at the cross. The love of God can transform and redefine your presence. And the love of God can give us hope for the future. How many think our culture needs a little bit of hope, right? And uh, so, so we need some hope for the future. Now, like I said, most people underestimate the power of love. But I've got an example for you that shows you that love is very, very powerful. Matter of fact, I'd say it's the most powerful force on earth is love. Not fear, not, not anger, not any of these other things, but love. And so let me just ask you guys, how many of y'all have done some really extreme things to try and win the woman that is your wife? You know, when you were dating her, you, you maybe, some of y'all watched Hallmark even back in the day, you know? I mean, I watched all six episodes of Pride and Prejudice. I was swinging for the fences, you know, and uh, had to watch all six episodes. And I think Anne of Green Gables was in there somewhere, you know? And uh, I forgot what football looked like and what adventure movies looked like. But, you know, we do those things out of love, right? Somebody, y'all don't leave me hanging out here. Some of you guys, I mean, some of y'all are single and you're going to stay single until you learn that lesson. But anyway, love is the driving force behind our sacrificial actions towards our families and friends. Love is, is that driving force. We'll do anything and, uh, you know, no price is too high to pay to show how much we love those who are important to us. Now, uh, I want to tell you today, before there was an Easter Sunday, there was what? There was a Good Friday. We had a, before there was a resurrection, there had to be a death. And before there was a King of Kings, there was a king in Israel. But there is only room for one king. Write that down. There's, there can only be one king. You see, for 33 years, Jesus walked around on earth serving the hungry people that's why we give out food because jesus said it was important to feed the hungry he healed the broken and and sick he delivered the oppressed and he announced the coming of the kingdom of god matter of fact he claimed to be the son of god which is why he was executed he claimed to be the son of god and that caused a lot of conflict because the ruler in that area was a puppet king named herod the great he worked for Rome. He was allowed to be the king of Israel because the Roman let him uh, rule to a certain degree. Herod was a wicked, evil guy. He, he, he was a builder. We've been to some of the palaces where he built, that he built great things. Caesarea, we, we saw some things that he built there. And 
when we were in the Holy Land, and that's why they call him the Herod the Great. He was a great builder, but he was also paranoid of somebody taking his rule. Matter of fact, he killed some of his sons. He killed a wife, all of those, because he saw them as a threat to his rule and his reign. And so when this, this king of the Jews was announced and uh, that he was going to be born, Herod uh, was trying to find out about that. And, of course, at Christmas we talk about that, how Herod sent his soldiers to Bethlehem to kill everybody under two years old. And, and so he did that, and, and the mothers were weeping. But, but Herod was just bound and determined there was only going to be one king in Israel, and it was going to be him. And there wasn't enough room for him and Jesus to rule in Israel. So, so the Jewish leaders and the Roman centurions worked together to get Jesus arrested. Now, the, the Pharisees, the religious leaders of that day, they didn't like Jesus because he was a threat to their power, to their, to their authority, and because he was preaching a new message. And, and so Jesus was arrested. He was brought to trial. Uh, he was, he was uh, you know, they convicted him. They justly convicted him because all the lies didn't work out, but they convicted him because he claimed to be the Son of God, which he was. And so he was convicted, and then he was executed, uh, and he was made to carry his cross all the way from where Pilate condemned him uh, to, the, to Calvary outside. And uh, I wish I'd put the picture of the hill because it's not like an easy hill to walk up. He's been beaten to a, a bloody pulp. I mean... Isaiah said Jesus was beaten to a point where he was unrecognizable as a man. Just think about that. And so here he's got all this blood loss and he's carrying this heavy cross. It's not like like this one over here. He's carrying this heavy cross and this heel is like, it's going up. Matter of fact, uh, in some of the uh, documentary on the passion of the cross, they were talking about Jim Caviezel was afraid he's going to go over the edge a few times when they put him up there, you know, and when the wind would blow and a storm came up. And, and, uh, and that's where Jesus was crucified. He had to carry that cross up that hill. I want to read you the story starting in Matthew 27. It says this, and, the way came, and along the way, Jesus is carrying this thing, and they came across a man named Simon who was from Cyrene. And the soldiers forced him to carry Jesus' cross. And they went out to a place called Golgotha, which means place of the skull. Now, it actually looks like a skull from some, uh, some angles, although the nose of it kind of fell off, I think, in the last few years. The last time we were there, they said somebody had actually sabotaged is what they thought, but it's still it's the place of the skull. And the soldiers gave Jesus wine mixed with bitter gall, and, he, and when he tasted it, he refused to drink it. And after they had nailed him to the cross, the soldiers gambled for his clothes by throwing dice, and they sat around and kept guard as he hung there. A sign was fastened above Jesus' head, announcing the charges against him, and it read this, is, the king, is Jesus king of the Jews? Even though they didn't believe it, they put that above his head. And, uh, and so two revolutionaries, or two criminals, were crucified with him, one on his right and one on his left. The people passing by shouted abuse, shaking their heads in mockery. Look at you now, they yelled at him. You said you were going to destroy the temple and rebuild it in three days. Well then... If you're the son of God, save yourself and come down. Let me tell you, he could have. Come down from the cross. The leading priests and the teachers of the religious law and the elders also mocked Jesus. And he said to others, uh, he saved others, they scoffed, but he can't save himself. So he, is he the king of Israel? Is he? 
Let him come down from that cross right now, and then we'll believe him. And, you know, one of the things that marks the crucifixion of Jesus is the mockery that took place. You know, the, the priest would come by and spit on him, and, and the crowds made fun of him, and they mocked him. And, you know, I don't know about you, but I can, I can you know, and of course, we, we don't quite have the mind of Christ, right? Somebody say, right? And, uh, you know, but if I were up there, and, uh, you know, and the guy was nailing that, that nail into my wrist, I'd be looking at him and say, you know, you're going to get yours. <laughs> so, aren't y'all glad I wasn't the one they were nailing on the cross for your sin? And, and, and so when they, were, when they were mocking him, you know, Jesus took it. He took it. And, and uh, the, even though they put that sign that said, King of the Jews, they didn't believe that. And, uh, and so they mocked him and said, hey, look, you saved others, save yourself. What's the matter, Jesus? You can't come off that cross? I mean, they were... They were talking trash to him. You know, they were going, come on, Jesus. You can do it. You can do it. Come on, get off that cross. Oh, he's just a criminal. You know, he can't get off that cross. None of them understood that the test of who Jesus was wasn't whether or not he could come off the cross because he could. The Bible says he could have called 10,000 angels that had been there like that. Let me just say this. There's a place in the Old Testament where one angel killed 186,000 soldiers. So 10,000 angels are going to take care of business, all right? As a matter of fact, Jesus spoke the world into existence. I would imagine he could have spoken and he'd have been off that cross. And so uh, he didn't do that. His, uh, the test of who he was was in his ability to overcome death because without the resurrection, there is no Christian faith. So the test of who Jesus was, write that down, was his ability to overcome death at the resurrection. And that's... That was what it was. And sometimes we miss, sometimes we miss this proof because we expect Jesus to prove himself in a way we want him to prove himself, right? We want him to, you know, do something that we want uh, in a way that we should. You see, the Jews were expecting a military and political Messiah. They wanted somebody that was going to deliver them from the Roman Empire and set them free, but Jesus wasn't that person. And too many people today have decided that they're not going to trust in Jesus unless he meets their expectations as well. You see, if he doesn't give me the right job, if he doesn't answer my prayer for a raise, if he doesn't, if he doesn't answer my prayer that, that I can have the right girlfriend or boyfriend or marry the right person or my kids make straight A's or whatever. My poor mama never prayed for that. She knew better. But anyway, uh, you know, or, or heals somebody or... Whatever that prayer is, if he doesn't do what I want him to do, I'm not going to believe in him. And that's, that's kind of a prevalent belief that we have today. And let me tell you, when you refuse to believe in him, and unless he does things your way, you're robbing yourself of seeing God work powerful things in and through your lives. Now, Herod wasn't the last person to struggle with the idea of Jesus being in charge. I think that, evident, that, that attitude is very prevalent today. I mean, think about it. A few weeks ago, we had a congressman in our Congress, in a country based on Christianity that was, our country was founded for religious liberty. People fleeing, uh, being dictated to about their religion. This congressman said, God's will has no concern in this Congress. Let me tell you, it better. It better have a, a concern in your house. It better have a concern, God's will, in your legislature. And, and so... Uh, you know, that's a prevalent thought today. We've got to choose 
who's going to be on the throne of our hearts. Now, if, if you're on the throne, if you're sitting in that throne, here's a picture of a throne. So if you're sitting up there being king, you're making decisions based on what's good for you, right? And, and I don't know about you, but most of us make decisions kind of out of selfishness. You know, what's good for me, you know? Might not be best for my kids, might not be best for my wife, but, you know, whatever. We're going to make decisions that are sometimes going to hurt people. And, uh, and so when we're in that chair. But the other choice is for us to get out of that chair and allow Jesus to sit on that throne. And see, when Jesus is sitting on the throne, we become better people. When Jesus is on the throne, uh, you know, uh, we listen to what he tells us to do. We follow his lead. We put other people first. We live sacrificially. So when it comes to the way we think, speak, and act, it changes when we're following Jesus because there can only be one king. If Jesus hadn't arisen from the dead, none of it matters. He'd still be dead. None of us would be here. But the resurrection changes everything. I want you to know that. The resurrection changes everything. See, none of the other religions, and I don't even like to call Christianity a religion because I'm not selling a religion. I am giving away a relationship with a living Lord Jesus Christ. Christianity is not a religion. It's a faith. It's faith in a living God. The resurrection changes everything. No other religion has a resurrection. There's bones everywhere you go. But we've been in that tomb, and there are no bones in that tomb where they laid him. You see, with no resurrection, there's no Christianity. And, uh, and so we'd just be another world religion if we were even here. But at one point, Jesus was seen by over 500 people at one time. And so uh, there can only be one king. Also... Uh, love overcame death. Love overcame death. I want you to understand that. See, three days after Jesus was murdered, and he was put into a tomb. To everyone's shock, he started popping up in places. Now, can you imagine? You're a Roman soldier, and you see him walking down the street, and you go, wait a minute. I nailed the nail in that dude's left hand. I'm the one to put the spear in his side. I say, or maybe you're just somebody on the street, and you say... I saw him die. I saw him die. They stuck a spear in his side. So he began to appear to his disciples and then to others. At one point, he appeared to over 500 people at one time. Now, let me just say this. If you've got 500 eyewitnesses to back up something you're saying, you win the argument. You get the conviction. Matter of fact, the guy that Simon Greenleaf that that wrote the book that, that set out what we allow into our courts, uh, said this about the resurrection of Jesus. There's more evidence to prove the resurrection of Jesus Christ than there is any conviction in any of our courts in history. So the, the resurrection changed everything. Jesus, uh, love overcame death, and Jesus was walking around. And, uh, and the disciples, they, they weren't hallucinating. They were devastated that he was gone. And all of a sudden he shows up and he's cooking fish and he's eating with them. And they're, they're touching him and they see him and, uh, and prove that he was king of kings and lord of lords. He, was, he had proven who he was. Matter of fact, there's an artist named Paul Gustav Dorr. And, uh, and he was traveling Europe and he lost his passport. Uh, some of y'all have traveled. I know the YWAM people have traveled from country to country. If you've ever gone out of the country, there's something you hold on to like you don't hold on to anything else 
and that's that passport. And, uh, and this guy lost his passport, and, and, uh, and so he came to a, a crossing into another country, and, and the guard wouldn't let him over, and so he gave his name to the official. Door hoped that he would be recognized, and the guy would let him through, but the guy said, no, listen, a lot of people try and impersonate people and come through here, and so if you can't prove it, you can't come through. And he said, listen, I really am who I say I am. I'm, I'm Paul Gustav Door. I'm an artist. And the, and the official said, okay, look, here's some paper and a pencil. There's some people over there. You sketch them. And man, I mean, Door just sketched them out perfectly right then. Showed it to him. He said, okay, you can come on through because you see his work confirmed his word. His work confirmed his word. And let me just tell you this morning, Jesus' work in the resurrection confirmed who he said he was. The fact that he got up, that he rose from the dead and was seen by over 500 people at one time, Jesus' work confirmed his word. Evil didn't have the last word. uh, Love did. You see, evil killed Jesus, but love raised him up. Look what what Jesus said in John 3.16. He said, for this is how God loved the world. He gave his one and only son so that everyone who believes in him would not perish but have eternal life. Jesus said, listen, I'm giving myself so you can have eternal life. There is no reason for anyone in this room or listening to my voice on Facebook to walk away from today not knowing Jesus because he loves you and he gave his life. You don't have to wonder if you can have eternal life. You can have eternal life. See, God loved you so much that he sent Jesus to die for us. I want want you to think about that. we, We talk about it like... Jesus paid your bill. There's, there's a, a guy that Pastor Kathy and I know, and if he's in the same restaurant we are, he pays our bill every time. I keep trying to find out where he's going to eat next. But, you know, I mean, but he pays our bill. And one time we were sitting there, and I finally asked the waitress, where's our, where's our ticket? And she says, well, that, that gentleman that was sitting over there paid it for you. And it's like, oh, man. Now, wouldn't it have been stupid of me? to said, no, 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 you bring me the ticket. I'm going to pay it myself. And, and, and if, if I'd have said that, she said, look, it's already been paid. That's what it is. Jesus has paid your lunch ticket. You don't have to pay it, you, you know, because there's nothing you can do that's good enough. You see, it, it's like being on a hamster wheel. You're just running. You're trying to do enough good things. Well, let me ask you this. If you could do enough good things, say, say uh, somebody was really good your whole life. Their whole life, they were good, and, and, and they did one thing. They killed the person you love the most. And they're in front of the judge, and they say, Your, Your Honor, I've, I've been good all my life. I've, I've done all these good things. I just had this one mess up. And if that judge let that person go that killed your loved one, would they be a righteous judge? No, they would not. Because you see, that one thing keep them out of heaven. But see, Jesus paid the price for that. Jesus paid the price for that so that we're not held accountable for that. He takes our punishment. That because a righteous judge has to punish that crime. A righteous judge has to punish that sin. Somebody had to take the penalty for that, and Jesus took that. Jesus took that. So we've been given the opportunity for eternal life, for a rich and satisfying life. And when we place our faith and hope and trust in Jesus' life, death, and resurrection, we can be saved, and we will be saved. The worst thing that will happen to you is not the last thing you will experience. I mean, because you will experience resurrection power and new life as you go forward. And that's not all. That's not all. Not only does Jesus give you new life, 
He's actually giving you some marching orders. Because you see, when you, when you accept Christ as your Savior, Jesus tells us this. Matthew 28, he said, I've been given all authority in heaven and earth. Let me tell you something. He's got all authority. He's got all authority in heaven and earth. And, and whatever he allows or whatever he says is going to be done. And here's what he says. Go and make disciples. You see, if you've received Christ, he said, go and make disciples of all the nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Teach these new disciples to obey all the commands I've given you. And be sure of this, I'm with you always, even to the end of the age. I like that. I'm with you always to the end of the age. See, Easter is a day that we celebrate Jesus as having all authority of rising from the grave. He's got authority over death. And no matter how many people doubted, Jesus still rose from the grave, and he's the king of the Jews. No matter how many people mocked him and, and questioned his power, Jesus was able to rescue himself and you and I from death, hell, and the grave. And no matter how many people questioned his power, he defeated the cross. He defeated death. The love of God uh, was the authority and is now reigning over the entire world. And his final instructions are for you and me, his followers, to go into the world and make disciples. He told everyone, you know, he told us, that you go and tell people. We were telling, as we led up to Easter, we're talking about, you just go and tell people what God's doing in your life. If you're born again, you can talk about what God has done in your life. Number three, I want you to know this before you leave, is we need to let love reign in you. You need to let love reign in you. And that's what I'm talking about here. If you consider yourself a Christian, then, then we have the responsibility to learn the ways of Jesus and, and uh, help others do the same. You know, being a disciple is a lifelong, it's a lifelong process. Hopefully I'm a little more like Jesus today than I was yesterday. And tomorrow, I will be a little bit more like Jesus than I am today. I, what I find is, as I grow closer to Christ, I'm more generous. I'm more forgiving. I, I, I serve more. Uh, you know, I've got more self-control. I'm in generally nicer than I am without Christ. And, and I think when we submit to the love of Jesus, I believe that when we do that, we're going to be compelled to live a life like Jesus did and to invite others to join us. I don't know about you, but those of you that, that know Jesus and for those that don't, I want you to experience the same Jesus I've experienced. I want you to know the peace in here. When you close your eyes and there's chaos out here, I want you to know that peace that passes all, that doesn't make sense to the world. I want you to experience that joy. Even when things are going wrong, I want you to have that same joy that Jesus offers what we want for you. And the last thing Jesus said, I want you to hear this. He said, I am with you always. I'm with you always. Tomorrow when you go to work, Jesus is going with you. So this week, if you go to the doctor, Jesus is going with you. This week, if you're facing your boss about something, Jesus is with you. He said, I'm with you always. I'm with you always. Maybe you're here today and you feel like maybe God's forgotten you. Maybe you feel like, well, you know, I hadn't felt this presence in a while.